Well, it's quite a pleasure for me to get to talk to Joe Salisbury, who I've known for quite some time. Um, Joe, I had a conversation earlier this week with uh, the head coach of the men's tennis program at the University of Illinois, Brad Dancer. And I said to him, I said, I don't know if you knew this, but you actually ended his collegiate career as a member of the Memphis Tigers, where you played college tennis. And he actually admitted he had no idea you were actually on that team. And I, I just thought about that story big picture because you're a guy who flies under the radar. Like you just don't have that big, you're not worried about your brand, you just go take care of business. And I wonder where that has come from for you. Um, to be honest, I'm not really sure. I mean, yeah, thanks for bringing up that uh, that <laughs> last college match. I mean, that was, uh, I mean, it's a long time ago now, but it yeah, was. That, that was a tough one uh, <laughs> for us especially. I think we were, we were three three nil up in that match. And I you think we were. Had match points to win four nil. Yes, that is correct. Uh, and then ended up losing it. Yeah, and that was my last match. But you brought uh, that up, not me. I didn't bring up how <laughs> close it was. No, nah, that's all right. Um, but yeah, I think I, that's just how I prefer it. Really, I don't. I don't like to sort of go out and shout about things and I don't particularly like to be sort of in the in the spotlight or trying to yeah get get too much attention I'd rather just focus on my tennis and and go about it that way it's obviously such an interesting thing because I mean you get you have the opportunity for so many endorsement opportunities money even though you've done incredibly well over the last couple of years it's always a little bit more complex on the double side do you feel like you've lost any sponsorship opportunities because of how maybe quiet you are? Possibly. I mean, obviously, there's there's not as many opportunities on, on the double side. It doesn't get as much attention, so it's kind of easier to just to yeah go under the radar. Um, I mean, obviously, if I had a lot more sort of presence on social media, then then maybe I would have more opportunities for things. But I don't I don't particularly like to to do too much of that. I mean, I'm on. Instagram a bit, use it a little bit, but not not too much, and don't really don't really do Twitter much. So, uh, yeah, I'd rather just um, yeah focus on the tennis and yeah don't worry about that too much. I wanted to ask you a little bit about mindfulness um, because I know that's something that's pretty important to you, and obviously there's a lot of attention on anxiety right now in in the sporting world. And I know you've been reading a lot of books on the topic of mindfulness and practicing it as well. And, and I'm wondering how that developed for you and, and how you're able to harness that on a tennis court. Yeah, I think it's definitely something that is very important. I think it's still, even though it's becoming a lot more kind of mainstream and a lot more, I think a lot more people put more focus on it. I think it's still a bit underrated. Um, considering how much of an impact it does have on, on people's games. Like you look at all the things down to like every calorie that you're eating and trying to plan everything out so you can get your best performance. But some people don't do much mental work, which can actually have the biggest performance on, or the biggest impact on, on your performance on court. So I've always kind of felt that it was a big thing and I didn't want to kind of lose out on any matches or any even any games or points in matches because I wasn't in a good mental state. And obviously, in order to do that you have to you have to practice it you have to work on it improve it nobody's has perfect sort of mental skills on court so um, it was actually one of my former coaches um, that kind of introduced me to that side of it um, it was actually he gave me the book The Power of Now um, which is yes been had a massive impact on me and kind of introduced me to kind of mindfulness and meditation and 
and yes yeah, I still meditate every day now um, and yeah I've had psychologists on and off the last several years um, but it's always something that I've felt is yeah really important and I've tried to yeah improve it as much as I can I think I've come a long way in in the last sort of 10 years um, but it's always something that can that can keep improving yeah it's always a work in progress I, I meditate a bit myself and I know that you have the good days you have the bad days but it is just this continuous progression how does it manifest itself on court in, in big moments especially uh, you know you're playing in a slam final yeah I think for me the biggest improvement I've seen is how I can come back from being in a very negative state so we're either getting very I guess nervous or anxious or angry especially with the anger um, I think in the past when I've kind of gone down that road and gone into that state I found it very difficult to come out of it and get back to a, to a good state and being in a good place mentally on court um, and I think the biggest thing is kind of how much does improve Part, partly not going into those negative states as much but also being able to come out of them a lot quicker if I do um, and that's something that I really really struggled with um, but that's something that I've improved a lot and even in the matches last week in, in Toronto um, managed to yeah go into a really sort of bad state get really angry for a game but then the next game come back and, and get myself back into a good state which often sometimes it would take me a set or more to actually recover from it. I, I know that everyone's practice is private, um, but can you, can you share with the listeners, uh, is, it a, is it a breathing technique? Is it a mantra style for meditation for you on the court that allows you to settle and then move past it? Um, it's a little bit of yeah, combination of things. I mean, I do my meditation, which is obviously a lot about kind of trying to clear the mind and sure. breathing. Um, I kind of do some kind of mental preparation stuff before I go on court so almost preparing for for things that could go wrong or things that could put me in a bad state and so it you kind of it doesn't take you by surprise or you don't um, yeah you're almost expecting it so it's it's not as, as bad as if it does happen um, and and then it's just trying to if it does happen on court it's just trying to sort of be aware of those emotions um, and to kind of think as, as logically as possible to try and sort of get myself out of it. And yeah, sometimes it doesn't work, but, um, and I'd always be sort of open to, to new things and looking for new ways to, to improve it and to get better at it. But um, yeah, that's kind of how I try and go about it at the moment. Think, thinking logically on a tennis court is a very interesting way of thinking about things there, Joe. It's, it doesn't happen too often. It's tough. It's, <laughs> it's sometimes very difficult to do that. Um, Rajiv Ram, um, I've known him for 20 years now. His path is, uh, you know, top junior when he was eight, 17, 18 here in the States, a two-time ATP singles champion as well. How did you guys hook up? Um... Yeah, so it was in 2000, end of 2018. Neither of us had a had a set partner. We'd both been playing with some different people throughout the year, and obviously at the, at the end of the year, most people try and set up their, their partner for the next year. Um, and yeah, I was asking around a few people, and he was kind of top of my list that, that I had, and he, uh, yeah, kept me waiting a bit. I think I was actually second on his list for, for people who he wanted to play with. Who was first, uh, do you know? 
think it was Marcel Grenoyers because they'd just won the Masters in Paris together. Yeah, right. Uh, but at that point, uh, Marcel was still playing singles. Yes. Um, so he wasn't committing to a full double schedule at the time. So I think that's what swayed his, his decision to, to play with me. Um, so I was very happy about that. I got my number one pick and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think he's he's uh, he's all right with it now. I think it's worked out, and I think the temperament for both of you, it seems to suit, because he's always been a guy, I mean, I, I don't know if you knew this, but back in his much younger days, they called him Big Smooth, because that's all always just that calm, even temperament. And I've seen both of you guys get fired up, but it seems like both of you are able to help kind of settle things down when things do go negatively. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it helps that, yeah, in general, we are pretty calm on court or we we looks like we are at least most of the time um and that but that's also was a kind of in some some ways a negative thing as well because obviously with with the doubles teams you have to be kind of or for most people to, to play well you have to be kind of high energy and getting getting yourself fired up and uh, just because sometimes the points are shorter so you need to raise your energy in between the points matches um, are can, shorter with the super tie the, break sometimes the the speed of things can be quicker with the reaction volleys and you need to be on it like it could just be for one shot one point obviously you've got the sudden death juices so you kind of have to have be playing with high energy throughout the match and that's something that we weren't as good at or we struggled as a team because we were are both kind of fairly chilled out relaxed um, especially off the court and it's not naturally how we are on the court so we had to try and um, improve that as a team to get ourselves yeah, to have have more energy on court. What did you do to do that? Um, <laughs> to be honest, we just tried to do it. There wasn't any kind of magic. Fake it till uh, you make it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, just um, try to exaggerate it. Do it as much as you can. Try and go over the top, and just yeah, trying to do it as, as much as we could. Uh, and gradually, it's sort of improved, and now it feels a lot more natural for us to be to be like that. It's almost like we kind of just flick a switch and and become a little bit different when we when we step onto the court. I understand you've bought your first house. Uh, congratulations on that. Is it is it set? I mean, is all, all the decorations done? Everything feels like home. Yeah, yeah, it's all uh, all done now. Actually, I think I'm still waiting on some curtains. <laughs> in my, in my <laughs> Those are important. Um, <laughs> but pretty much everything else is done. But yeah, I had to do everything from scratch. Um, I was actually lucky because it was actually my former partner Dave O'Hare um, and college teammate. His current girlfriend is an interior designer, so she's actually been helping me do it. So I've been, I've been quite lucky. I haven't actually had to do too much myself, which has been been nice, especially being away all the time. Yeah, how much time have you actually spent there? Just a few weeks here and there. I mean, obviously this year we've been away even more than normal, getting to tournaments earlier for all the testing, etc. Not coming home as much, and then obviously during the summer I'd usually be home a lot during the grass court season. But this year we were in the hotels, and which was a shame. I mean, even during Wimbledon, my, I live in, in Wimbledon now, but had to stay in the hotel, which was 40 minutes away. Um, so that was that was a shame. But um, yeah, so it's just been kind of the odd week in between the tournaments that I've that I've been back there. We've got to get you a little bit more settled because I, I imagine you, you need some things on the walls at this. Point. I haven't got any any photo well yeah not not much on the walls trophies anywhere artwork. got some trophies up okay 
but I mean that is pretty crucial. You've yeah. gotten some nice there's a, trophies. There's a bit more more decorating to do. The, I mean the Toronto trophy is unique. I don't know how that's. Yeah, that was a strange one. Yeah, it was actually like real tennis string in the really? inside of it. Um, but yeah, that'd be nice to put that one out. Did uh, remind me? Did you win Maui? Did you win the Maui Challenger? No, we didn't win that. No. I, I was, I that was, was one of my favorites, though. It, I'd well, love to obviously, because they gave a tiki trophy, a little tiki oh, doll really? for it. And I didn't. What's the weirdest trophy you've ever gotten? Weirdest one is actually uh, when we won Dubai. We got um, like it was a huge ship, like it was a, I guess a silver. It kind of had all the sails and the. I mean, literally, they they shipped it to my house because I mean there's no way you could take it yourself and they had to all package it up it was in a massive box it was really heavy like it's too big to it was huge what it do was you do too with big that to one? put it on display I think it's actually I think it's in my sister's attic um, but yeah my place now it's, it's a bit too big to display it anyway I might have to wait till I've got a, Maybe it's got waterproof? a bigger, bigger house in the future to, to put that up somewhere. You could use it, if it's waterproof, you could put it outside as part of a, a nice display in the garden, something along those lines? Could do, could do, we'll see. You just I'll, need to I'll, talk I'll to I'll have to get it off her and see if I can, see if I can put it up somewhere. <laughs> Joe Salisbury, thank you so much for your time, appreciate it. No worries, thanks Mike.